Welcome to The Way Church Service with Pastor John. We invite you to join us at 514 Smithfield Avenue in Pawtucket, Rhode Island. This podcast is presented to you by The Way Ministries, supported by listeners like you. For donations, live videos, podcasts, and more, please visit www.thewayministriesri.org. Thank you and have a great day. All right, welcome to the Way Church Service. I want to thank everyone for coming out tonight to get a portion of God's Word. Amen? First and foremost, I want to thank our risen Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? We always got to remember, He is risen. And He's alive in each and every one of us. Thank you, Jesus, for making all this possible for us by becoming obedient unto death, by going to the cross, shedding his blood for the forgiveness of our sins, and becoming the final sacrifice for sin. So we could have a new life, eternal life, spiritual life, and a relationship with God for all who believe in the one and only Son of God. Amen? We gather here to learn about our Creator and find our purpose here and use it to glorify God first and foremost and to serve our Lord and Savior and one another. Our goal, this ministry has a specific goal, and that is to grow spiritually and start to handle life God's way, not our way. God's Word, which is the Bible, becomes the owner's manual to our lives, and we use it to see how God wants us to live, think, act, serve, and treat others. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Each part of His body is very precious to God. I want to personally welcome each and every one of you to the way. We depend on God's grace and not our own power to accomplish his will for our lives. And if you have a cell phone, can you please silence it so it doesn't disturb tonight's study? And we will start with a word of prayer. Dear Lord Jesus, Lord and King, thank you, Lord, for allowing us this awesome opportunity, Lord, to gather together as your children, to worship, honor, and glorify you, Lord. And let you become first in our lives, Lord, as we battle against the flesh each and every day, Lord. Thank you for giving us the power, the supernatural power of your spirit to help us, Lord, to become more and more like you each and every day as we grow in grace and knowledge and understanding of you and your ways, Lord. Thank you for getting us all here safely, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for helping us to weather the storm, Lord, outward and inward that we all face each and every day, Lord, as you battle for first place in our heart. And we just thank you, Lord, for your grace and tender-hearted mercies that begin afresh every day. For without that, Lord, we wouldn't be able to move forward and become more and more like you. Thank you for giving us Jesus as our Savior, Lord. Thank you for forgiving us for all our sins, past, present, and future, Lord, and giving us a firm foundation, reassuring us that heaven is our home for all who believe in your Son. We pray for the people who can't be here tonight, Lord, that you give them the awesome opportunity that you provide for them through the live feed or the phone lines, Lord, so they can get the message they need to hear tonight, to listen what the Spirit is trying to say to the church tonight. And let everything we do, as always, be led by your Spirit, and not our flesh, and it's in Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen. Amen. All right, amen. 
We're going to stand and worship the Lord. The girls are going to come up and we're going to get started. On page 37. Uncontainable, you place the stars in the sky. And 
awesome. That was beautiful, huh? What a beautiful song. He knows our heart, and he loves us the same anyway. That's unbelievable. What an awesome God we serve. How's everybody doing tonight? Oh, it's so good to see everybody. I know. As we weather the storm getting here, and we weather the storms in our lives, like I said, as God fights for first place in our hearts, amen? And he'll get it. He'll get it. He's working on me. I'll tell you, every time he breaks me, I get closer to him. Because if I, if I let him break me and go away from him, it's only going to get worse. So I understand the principle of brokenness. It's just a beautiful place. He just shows me how weak I am without him each and every day. He says, my power works best in your weakness. And sometimes we think that we're powerful for some reason after we get saved for a while and we think that we got it going on. And he says, no, you don't. And I'm going to show you why you don't. And boom. We stumble, right? Thank God for his brokenness. All right, so let's go to Proverbs chapter 3 that Mary put up over there. It's really awesome to see everybody. It really is. I need this. I welcome everybody that's watching through the live feed and the phone lines. We're grateful for that. We have that to give them the opportunity to get the message to. Amen? All right. Proverbs chapter 3. We're going to go right to verse 1 on this one. This is an awesome proverb. So powerful. It's not going to tie in with the message, though. It's always confirmation. Always. Always. He's always uh, amazing. Amen. Trusting in the Lord. My child. I love that. He calls us my child. I'm saying, well, I don't look like a child anymore, but I definitely act like one sometimes. <laughs> Get an amen for that? Amen. All right. We can all be real here, right? And breathe. We're in a real church, amen? We're trying to become more like adults, right? In the faith, that is. My child, never forget the things I have taught you. Store my commands in your heart. Wow, so what he really means by that, that has to become part of you. Your mind is different than your heart. Your heart is you. Consists of three things, right? Your mind, your emotions, and your will. Okay, that's your heart. If you do this, you will live many years, and your life will be satisfying. Never let loyalty and kindness leave you. Tie them around your neck as a reminder. Oh, I'm get a necklace, right? Loyalty and kindness. Because you know when you go out there, we go into an unkind world, and sometimes it makes us unkind. We have to remind ourselves we're not of this world anymore. We are new creatures, and we're to behave as a new creature. And that's what we're learning how to do. And if you tie that around your neck, and you start to you say, oh, wait a minute, I'm supposed to be kind right now. So you understand, when it becomes part of you, you'll understand, and you'll be able to stop. Oh, the stop sign comes. Stop. Be kind. Show me right now. Now's the chance. And we get many of them, don't we? And we fail many times, don't we? Yeah. That's all right, but guess what? Breathe, because 
God is working in each and every one of us. And he gives us grace and mercy so we can keep going. Amen? Don't beat yourself up anymore. Okay? Please. That is the worst state to be in. You, if you're beating yourself up, you can't grow. You can't grow. You grow in humility. Saying, God, thank you for showing me that I can't do it. Thank you for breaking me. Humility shows that his power is going to start working now, not yours. And every time you use your power, he's going to show you how it doesn't work. So don't beat yourself up. Can I get an amen? How about a smile for everybody? All right. Smile. All of us fail thought, word, and deed today. But one thing we didn't fail. Heaven is our home guaranteed. We believe in Jesus. The foundation is set. And heaven is our home. And it's not depending on our behavior. Thank Jesus for that one. Because in the Old Testament, it did. It meant by you following the law for you to get there. Now we follow who? The Spirit, which is love. It's different. we got a different heart now. Look what it says. Write them deep within your heart, or let them become part of you. Then you will find favor both with God, and guess what? And people. And you will earn a good reputation. Let me tell you something. When you're loyal to something you do, and you're kind to people, you will earn a good reputation. People recognize acts of kindness all the time. And they recognize your faithfulness and loyalty to something. They see that and they honor that. Even the unbelieving world honors loyalty and kindness. That's why it says to tie them around your neck. Because that's how you show Jesus. Because the world can't show loyalty and kindness all the time. It's conditional. But and the, unbe the unbelieving world doesn't know that we, we don't have conditions on that anymore. We can be loyal and kind all the time. And that's how you show Jesus. Now, here's what it is right here. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. With all, with all your heart. All your mind, all your emotions, and all your will. Your whole, every part of you. Listen now. Do not depend on your own understanding. Do not try to figure out God. You can't figure him out. Intellectual knowledge will not give you a relationship with Jesus. Ask the Pharisees. They thought they knew God. They didn't know God. They didn't know who he was. They thought, they, they thought by following outward things and coming to church and doing this and going to synagogue that they had a relationship with God. That had nothing to do with it. That was just the discipline that they developed to make them. They were supposed to see. They were supposed to soften their heart so they could learn to love people. They couldn't do that. But no, it made them proud because they did it. I'm better than everybody else. You see? Now, just because you do it and you're faithful here, don't think that you're better than anybody else. You're not. Okay? Nobody's better than anyone else. People might not be here physically, but they're there with us spiritually. We're all connected. Amen? Amen. Thank you, Jesus, for that. Now, don't depend on your... Look at verse 6. Seek His will in all you do. Now, that is the process we're talking about here. Seeking his will in all you do. You know it as well as I do. We don't always seek his will in everything we do. We want to. And that's what we're working on. Seeking after him. Listen to what it says. This is beautiful. And he will show you which path to take. Do we ever... What we have to do is stop. And let him show us what path to take. We go down the road without asking him. We don't know what path we're on. Until we hit a bottom. 
If you stop and listen, he wants to talk to you. He's not far from each and every one of us. And I'm going to show you the scriptures that tell us that. We have to understand he's with us all the time. Especially in the moments at the crossroad. What decision is going to be. It's all about choices. And boy, did we make some bad ones. As Christians. But thank God for his tender-hearted mercy. He doesn't, it's not, doesn't depend. That's part of the process of learning, though. Through many failures do we grow. Not through many victories. Can we get the process? The process is different learning about God. You, you grow through brokenness, not through victories. That's right. Say we're learning, right? You learn a lot here, right? Look, I didn't have a hat on. I had a, like nobody really didn't matter to anybody because it's the message. It's not what's on my head. You know? But you have to understand that tradition tells you don't wear a hat in church, don't chew gum, don't put up, come dressed up nice. You know, if you want to dress up for the Lord, that's fine. If you want to come as you are, that's fine too. Come as you are. But we understand that because we read the Word of God. See, if you read the Word of God, you won't have any distinction like that. Say, so, oh, he came in dressed like that? Well, wow. Let him go home and change before they come to church. It's like, wait a minute. Maybe that's the way they wanted to come to church. Maybe that's the way they show their, lo their, their, great, their loyalty to God. Amen? Everybody's in a different place. And you accept people where they're at. Unless you come with nothing on, then you know we're going to have to do something. You know? Or come with fig leaves or whatever. Then we say, no, we're not in Genesis anymore. Come on. Come on. We're out of the garden now. Okay. You know what I mean, though, right? Because people get really religious in thinking that that gets them closer to God, but it doesn't. You being real gets you closer to God. Because the more real you become, the more you know that you can't be like God. Every time you read the Bible, it shows us that we can't do it. That's what it's intending to do. And he said, okay, now I'm going to use my supernatural power to give you the choice to make the right decision like Jesus would have made. And every day, we get closer and closer to that. Amen? So, smile. Don't beat yourself up. These messages are not to beat you up. They're to build you up. Because I never want anybody in here to lose their convictions. Because... One thing churches can do is make you lose your conviction. And that's not what the church is designed to do. It's supposed to give you conviction so you know that you're going down the wrong road so you can turn from it. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. And it'll always be that way as long as I'm up here. Now look what it says. Don't be, verse 7, don't be impressed with your own wisdom. Instead, instead of, listen, look, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Then you will have healing for your body. See it? Look, don't try to figure it out with your own wisdom. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. And look at verse 8. Look at the promise there. You'll have healing for your body and strength for your bones. Look at verse 9. Honor the Lord with your wealth. It tells you to honor him with your wealth too. And the best part of everything you produce. That's why when you come to church, it should be the best of you. The best party, whenever you do something for the Lord, it's the very best. The very best to honor God. See it? It says it right here. Look what it says. Look at look what it says. Look at look at the look at the promises here. Honor the Lord with your wealth and the, with the best part of everything you produce. 
Then you will fill your bonds with grain, and your vats will overflow with good wine. What does that mean? It says your life will be full and complete, and you'll just be joyful all the time because you know you're giving God your very best. Remember back in Genesis? Cain and Abel? Right? Abel gave him the very best of everything. And Cain gave him what? The least. And he says, and he says you know what? Sin, he says, you're, you're, you're selfish. You see? When you're selfish, you give God the leftovers. When you're not selfish, you give God the best. Because you know he's the one who gave it to you. So you know the difference. Now look what it says in verse 11. My child, don't reject the Lord's discipline. And don't be upset when he corrects you. When, not if. You see it? Listen. It, not if, when. He's going to correct each and every one of us. Boy, and I got corrected. Thank God I got corrected. Because let me tell you something. He shows me the ugliness, me without him. And it comes out and I'm saying, wow. This is, I can't ever do this without him. I need him every minute. Because the devil wants to pounce on me on every turn. To get this ministry to fall. And he wants to pounce on you to get this ministry to fall. And you have to understand, when you're not here at this ministry, you need to what? Still be faithful to the ministry and what God tells you to do when you're not here. And that's what builds the ministry. Your testimony when you're not here. Again, amen? Don't worry, God's not just in this building. Remember, he's not like you open the thing and here he comes for the night and then you put him back in after. No, he's with you and you're the temple he's building and he builds it when you're out there. So don't think that because you're here you're going to be like super good here, but I can be bad. No, you are the, you take the temple wherever you go. You see, don't ever think that just because you're in this building you have to behave a certain way. No, you have to behave a certain way all the time. To honor God. You honor God with your life. That's what you honor him with. Amen? And this, but we have to come here to get to that point. See, that's what we have to understand. We're coming here to get to that point. So we can honor him all the time. So he can become part of us. Now look what it says. This is great. Look at verse 12. For the Lord corrects those he loves. And now I can say, thank you, Jesus, for correcting me. That means you love me. You see? Just as a father corrects a child in whom he delights. Joyful is the person who finds wisdom, the one who gains understanding. For wisdom is more profitable than silver, and her wages are better than gold. You see it? You're here, right? You, you know you've got to earn money. But the wisdom you get from above is priceless. And when you gain that wisdom, it makes your life out there a whole lot easier. To live in a hard world. Your life can go really, if you follow the principles of the Bible, you can have, you can have an easy, not an easy life, but a joyful life down here. Understanding that God's in control of all of this. All of it. Everything he puts in front of you. Different seasons. Weather in the storm. You see the storm out there now, right? We weathered it and came here, right? How many storms did you go to win with today? That you weathered. You're still here. And not all of us won. But he's what? The victory is Jesus's, not ours. He's the one who wins the victory for us. Thank you. Praise the Lord, right? It's hard to grasp because the world bases achievement on performance. You don't base your achievement with God on performance. It, you, it, you base your achievement with God on your faith and how much you yield to him every day. 
I get an amen for that. So this way here, it's like when you fail, it's like, that's not, be, that, that's not like God doesn't give you an F today because you weren't goody two-shoes. And if you think that way, you're going to walk away from God. And you're going to say, I'm going to do it my way because I can't do it God's way. So guess what? I'm going to set my own standard and principles now because I can't do it His way and I'm not going to. Then you start getting rebellious against God because you, you can't do it. But if you understand that you can't do it, but he wants to do it through you, then you can understand you can keep going. Thank you, Jesus, right? This is going to be an important message. All right, let's, let's, get, let's get to the principle here. We're going to get back to our, our, our with whole, becoming wholehearted, okay? Is everybody with me now? Just stay with me now. I just want to say this to you. We're going to go to a couple of verses. And this is important because God's been just hitting me with this today. And I want to share it with you. I want you to really understand the, the parts of us that we need, how we got to line this up, okay? Every day of every moment, we have a choice, okay? We could live by the old independent life of our human or worldly spirit, okay? Which controls our soul, which is our heart, which is our mind, emotions, and will. All right, you got that part? Okay, worldly spirit, the spirit controls our what? Our mind, our emotions, and our will. Or we can live by Jesus Christ, new heart that he gives us, as the new life in person in our spirit. We can choose to allow his spirit to be our leading part. Okay, using his spirit to turn our mind to his will and to take in God's living word. Allowing our emotions to be awakened and stirred to love God. And presenting our body to live a proper human life. We get that? Now listen, God's intention in giving us these three parts, a spirit, soul, and body, was that we would be vessels to contain Him and express Him. We are the temple. We are the new temple. It's not a building anymore. That's why he made us like this. He get our soul, our mind, emotions, and will will function together to fulfill God's purpose. Complete or wholehearted. See, that's the thing. We're, we're getting all that lined up. Okay? We're getting our, our emotions, our will, right? And our soul, our body, our will, and our spirit to line up together. And it all functions complete. You get it? When... The Spirit leads us, that controls what? Our mind, our emotions, and our actions. You see, that's the process that we're learning. That's how you become whole. Right now, all of that is not controlling. His Spirit is not controlling all of that right now. Don't you wish it was? It wants to. He's given us the new heart. He's given us His Spirit to lead. But we're still at war with that. And we're still fighting the battle to let go of our spirit which is the human spirit. And how do I know that? Because it tells me that in Ephesians chapter 2. Let's go there. Let me just prove this to you. It says, some people say we were born spiritually dead. No, we were not born spiritually dead. We We were born void of God's spirit. Because of the fall. We still have the human spirit because to get regenerated, that means you have to have something already. Get it? You already have to have a spirit if it's going to get regenerated. So then that's like if we never had one, we didn't have to get a regenerate one. He's regenerating the human spirit to his spirit. Can I get an amen for that? 
So we all have a spirit when we're born, just not God's. It's called the world spirit or the human spirit, which is runs its own will. Now let me just share it. Look at verse 1. Do we get this? So we have to understand, but people say you were born spiritually. No, we were not born spiritually dead because then we could never connect with God. When we were born again, he regenerated our spirit because we're still, look, I'm, if I'm born again in a baby, how come I'm, this is not a baby's body anymore? <laughs> I wish it was. <laughs> you know? But it's not. So we have to understand, we're regenerated. So now that spirit, the born-again spirit, is going to replace the old spirit, which is at war with that. Can I get an amen for that? That's what we're fighting. We're fighting, we're, we're, we're fighting for his spirit to take over our our mind, our will, and our emotions. That's the fight we're going through right now. That's the battle. Those three things to take, to become like him. And that takes time. As a matter of fact, we're never going to be perfected till we go home to be with him because of the fall. So we have to understand that. So now we can be realistic and say, I'm never going to become perfect within this body. I'm already, I'm being perfected. I'm being regenerated and renewed every day as I learn to know my Creator and become like Him. That's the process we're going through. How many of us can honestly say, I was just like Jesus today? Thought, word, and deed. Right, we try. That's the, that's the Spirit of God giving you. Before, did you ever try before you found God? Did you ever try to make God happy? Well, that's the Spirit of God. Learn it, wanting you to what? Go into his word and see and develop. That's his spirit work, and that's not yours. Because my spirit never wanted to open the Bible. His spirit made me. I don't know how it happened. It's like you can't understand how it is. I don't know how it happened, but he came. And he opened my eyes, and now I'm opening the word of God, and I'm renewing my mind with his spirit, which is the word of God. Not that hard to understand, but it's kind of complex if you don't really understand all three parts of it. Because you know how your emotions are. Don't you wish they were under command of the Spirit of God? The human spirit or the worldly spirit gives us what? Depression and pride and anger and bitterness and jealousy. God's spirit is love, joy, peace. Right? Forgiveness. All the fruits of the Spirit. Get it? The human spirit doesn't have that. That's why when we get the new spirit that's fighting for to replace all that with the good. What a fight, ain't it? None you can say, why? I'm stubborn. My human spirit doesn't want that. And then we can do like this. Relax. Relax. You can't do it. That's why you needed Jesus. You see, back in the Old Testament, they tried to do it. They couldn't. They had to give sacrifices again and again and put the sins on the scapegoat and send them out for another year. And then they'd have to come back again because it didn't clean them of their guilt. It didn't cleanse them of their consciences. See, but the Bible tells us that our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood and it's gone. We have a new regenerated conscience now. Not a guilty one, a convicted one. A convicted one drives you closer to Jesus. A guilty one takes you away from him. That's why guilt is not a good motivator. 
That's why when you beat yourself up, you're giving the devil a chance to get in you. You have to say, no, the victory's already won. I already won the victory. I just can't feel it. I'm trying to line it up, but I don't see it yet. Look what it says in verse 1. Once you were dead. Now, because of your disobedience and your many sins. So look at Ephesians 2 verse 1. Once you were dead. See, you weren't done dead. Look, because of your disobedience and your many sins, you used to live in sin. Just like the rest of the world. Did you know that you were living in sin before you found Jesus? We just thought we were living the way the world lives. It says it clearly in the Bible. Look, you were living in sin just like the rest of the world. Obeying the devil. Look, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. Or obeying the commander of the power of the air. He is the spirit. Listen now. He is the spirit at working in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. Which is the human spirit. It's always acting rebellious against God. See it? All of us used to live that way. Following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature we were subject to God's anger. Just like everyone else. But look at verse 4. But God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, but now you know you weren't dead physically. Neither were Adam and Eve. They were dead in their relationship with God. You see, our sins kill our relationship with God. And they still kill us our relationship with God after we get saved. That's why he says you have to turn from it. Can I get an amen? Now, do you have to? No, but your relationship with God, you'll never get to experience that relationship if you don't. You see? It's not a must. If you want to become like Jesus, you have to. Look, look what it says. Here's, here's the spirit at work in the hearts who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. But we're not subject to God's anger anymore. God's not angry with you. Can I get an amen for that? Amen. All the failures you did, he's not angry with anymore. All your sins are forgiven, past, present, and future. The Bible says when you continue to live in them, you forget that you were cleansed of them. You see? They're gone. But the devil doesn't want you not to see him. So here he comes knocking. Remember over here? You're not saved. Look at the way you just acted. You see? That's what he does. And now we put you back in your sin nature. And then you say, yeah, you're right. I can't please God. Look, I keep sinning. My sin, God doesn't see it. He sees Jesus. You see it. And the devil's trying to make you see the wrong thing. If you see Jesus there, you can jump out of that. You say, oh, I'm back over here. Wait, I'm cleansed of that. I don't have to continue in that anymore. You see, it's a different mindset now. Even though I failed, I can get over here now. Because I'm cleansed of it. You need to let God remind you that your sins are not counted anymore. Not the devil to remind you that they are. You see, that's a renewed mind. See, that's a mature mind. A mature mind knows that those sins have already been forgiven. The immature mind, what? The devil keeps hitting us thinking that, how can God love me? My sins are still, I'm still sinning. No, we're being perfected or we're becoming mature. We're starting to sin less. 
But we're not sinless. We're only sinless when we go home to be with him. We'll be free from the presence of sin. We're now working on the power of sin that still wants to fight for control. Okay? He already dealt with what? The sin, right? He already dealt with the sin, with our sin nature. He said, at the cross, I dealt with all your sins, past, present, and future. Right? You've been delivered from that. Heaven is your home. But now we're being delivered from what? That was from the penalty of our sins, which is spiritually dead, separated. Now we're regenerated. Now he's working on this part of us, our relationship with him. The sanctification process. Now he's cleaning us out so us line up. We could actually see ourselves like he does. When you can see yourself like he does, your sins won't bother you anymore. And you won't want to sin anymore because you won't grow them. Because you're now getting mature in your faith. Understanding that I'm not going to be sinless, but when I do sin, it's not counted against me to get back up over here. Sin is a strange work now. It's not like an everyday thing. We don't keep doing it, keep doing it, keep doing it like the devil wants us to do. He tells us to come back. And you jump out of it quicker. Get it? Until what? Until you don't go back to it anymore. Eventually you stop. You see, but it takes time for that. How do I know? Because he's doing that with me. He's working on my sin nature so I can show you what yours is like. And the fight you go through. I fight the same battle even harder than you. Because I'm the leader. He wants to take me into this nature so I can get you into that nature. You see? But no. I won't go there because guys, no. You're not here because you're perfect. You're here because I saved you. You see? You guys, were you perfect today? Can anybody actually sit in here and say they were perfect today? No, we know that we weren't perfect, but we're here. So that means we're getting some ground. We're making some progress. Hallelujah. We're understanding that the devil can't keep us from God no more. And our sins can't either if we don't let them, if we make the choice not to let them. Now look what it says. Verse 4, but God is so rich in mercy that he loved us so much, verse 5, that even though we were dead spiritually, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So that's telling us heaven is our home. Now look what it says. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. Verse 8, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take any credit for it. This is the problem with Christianity. People get stop overcoming some of the things and they want credit for it. Look what I did. I overcame something. No, you did not overcome anything. God overcame it. God, you work through you to overcome it. He gets the glory now. Because if you could have did it, then you would have never needed Jesus. So you understand? He says, so you can give me glory, not take glory for it. And what happens when people take glory for it, they become pharisaical. And they want everybody else to do what they do. Look what I did. You can do it too. No, you didn't do anything. God did it for you. And through you. How about a hand for God? Thank you, God. I fought the devil today, 
And I won. Even though I might not have felt it, I know I won. Because he told me I won. Not because I felt like I won. See, he's trying to take us beyond the feelings and the emotions. And what do we do? We go try to change our feelings or our emotions. And we live by them. So, oh, I'm sad. Look, being sad is part of life. There's a reason why we're sad. God is trying to show us something through the sadness. There's a reason why we're happy. He's trying to show us himself through his happiness. He's trying to show us. We don't go try to change it. We let him fix it. Say, Lord, I'm going to stay in this valley till you show me what I need to see, and then you're going to get me out of it, out of a different season. I don't have to go change that feeling. I'm going to let you change it. I'm not going to go let the world change it. He put that in me. He wants me to feel that. He wants me to see the valley. He wants me to be depressed. He wants all these things to what? He's he's, He's growing me and maturing me so I can handle it. Not to run from it. He's not trying to, you don't change it, you go through it. What's the first thing the world does? Oh, I'm depressed. I gotta go to the doctor. I'm sad. No, sin is what makes us depressed. Because we're not living the way God wants us to live and doing the things He wants us to do. So it makes us depressed. Depression, read, if you want to know about depression, read Lamentations. Jeremiah went through all kinds of depression, lamenting and crying over his tongue. He learned he had awful, awful things happen to him. Apostle Paul, in prison, awful things happened to him. He was depressed all the time, but he had a Savior. He knew where his home was. He says, God's going to get me there. And that's what maturity is all about. Letting God do for you what you cannot do for yourself. But we go try to change it ourselves. I want to change that emotion. I want to change that feeling. Why is why am I depressed? Why am I feeling sad? Why am I happy? Why am I this? Why am I that? Saying, well, look, God's God's doing it. Yes. Nothing can happen unless God allows it. He's trying to show you something through it. And if you go try to change it, then you'll never know what it is. So that's why people go to the world. Because they don't understand what God's trying to show them through it. You know where I go? To the Word. Because if you read the Old Testament, he shows people what's wrong with them in all of it. What, what, did, what did King David try to bury all his stuff? He kept sending people, kicking sand out and all this stuff to remind him what he did. He couldn't let go of it. He said, until when I finally confessed my sin, I was freed of it. He was trying to cover it up, cover it up, cover it up. And that's what the world does. Cover it up, cover it up, cover it up. Never work through it so you can what? Change and grow. Can I get an amen? Now look what it says. God saved you by his grace. Look at verse 9. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. When we start doing good things after we find Christ, you still have to give him the glory. Say it so none of us can boast about it because you have to admit that you're a failure first before he can do it. Humility is where he comes. See, a lot of us got pride. A lot of us been running our lives for a long time and thinking we still can. We can help God a little bit here and there. And we can't do a thing without Jesus. And he shows us. Now look what it says. Look at verse 10. You hear a lot of preaching about verse 8 and 9, but
But they stay, I don't know why they keep 10 out of it. There's a reason why he saved us. See it? For we are God's masterpiece. Do you say to yourself, I'm a masterpiece? Are you kidding me? Me? If you think about it, think about you, okay? If you're humble enough to understand, then you know you ain't no Rembrandt. <laughs> Thought, word, and deed. You ain't all that in a bag of chips. You understand that. And he's calling me a masterpiece, God. If you think you're a masterpiece, God's going to have to break you to show you you're not. And then he says, "We are God, we, how are we God's masterpiece? He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. Why did, he, why did he save us? So we can do the good things he planned for us to do long ago. So we could actually fulfill his will for our lives. That's why he saved us. How about a big amen for that? He says, I know that you can do it. And I'm going to give you the power to do it. Because you're my kids and you're royalty. And don't you let the world try to take that from you. Or your sin nature. And don't you go try to change what God's doing in you by putting something into your body that's gonna. You let him show you what's wrong with you. And let him change you. And he will show you which path to take. Amen? All right. Did we hear that? Yes. Thank you. It's important. All right, now let's go. All right, let's go to um, John chapter 14. This is going to be the last message I give on wholeheartedness. If you don't get it yet, I don't think you ever will. I've been on this for how long? He's trying to complete us. There's three parts to becoming whole. I love my family. I love you enough to make sure you don't you understand what I'm trying to say. You understand what I'm saying so far? Yeah. I'm trying to make it clear and simple so you can understand that you don't have to do nothing out there. And all you need is Jesus. Amen. You can give up whatever the world is trying to do to you and give it to Jesus and let him fix it. And a little by slow, he will if you allow him to. You could what? Take away the Jebusites and then the Hittites and all the little things that you've been holding on to out there as a source of comfort to help you. He's going to take them slowly away from you. You're not going to want them anymore. You're going to say, I can't think clearly enough. I got to let God, I can't hear God when I'm clouded by something. I got to let God show me and I got to be clear minded so I can hear his voice. When you put something into you, it clouds the voice. It's the wrong voice that comes in. Even, even what, listen, before I preach, I don't even eat. Because even food changes it. Even food changes. You ever eat some food, makes you feel different. So if you don't eat it, then you can want to hear from God. See, that's what fasting is all about, cleansing us. So we can hear the voice of God and know what direction to take. So how can you cleanse yourself if you're not fully getting rid of the stuff that's in you from the world? You can't. Something is still controlling this if you let it. But let me tell you something. Once you do, you say, I don't know why I ever even tried that. Jesus is my source of strength and he will do it. Because he said he would if I followed him. But I have to let him do it. 
slowly. He works in everybody slow. Everybody's in a different place. So don't beat yourself up if something in the world is still controlling you. He'll take it slowly and he'll grow you up till you don't want it anymore. Amen? Amen. So don't, don't be concerned about it. Just think about it. Say, you know what? What am I counting on the world for, my, for me to live today? So can, I, can I actually give that to Jesus and let him show me the way? Yes, you can. And if you want him to, he will. He'll take that from you. And you'll be free. What do you think free in Christ is? Free to become the people he created you to be. The world stops that from happening. He said, come up out of the world. I didn't really grasp what that meant until I started understanding what he meant. Come up out of the world. You know you can't leave it. Although you wish you could sometimes, right? But no, you, your perception can change. And you can think of the things above. When all this stuff's going crazy, you can say, I'm going to think of the things above now. Heaven's my home. This isn't my permanent home. This is only for a season. I can get through this with the Lord and my brothers and sisters. I'm going to become transparent enough and tell them I need help. Amen. Don't let the world help you. Let the word help you. And the people in your church that overcame things. Amen is right. Look at verse 23 of John 4. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I got something else. Oh, we, we, I said John 14, 6, yes. right? Yeah, my thing scrolled down on me. See, the devil's trying to confuse me already. Stay with me now. John 14, 6. I'm going to do this fast because I want to get this other thing in. Jesus told him in verse 6, I am the way. The truth and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. If you want to have a relationship with God, it has to go through Jesus Christ, not anything else that that world offers, number one. And that's how you develop a full relationship with him, not counting on anything else but him. And that's growing to maturity. And it's not. it doesn't happen overnight for us, and some of us are still reaching for the world. That's okay. He's working on you. And he will work on you till you go home to be with him. He's not holding it against you. And neither am I. I don't know what you're doing. I don't care. God's the one. The Spirit's the one that does the work in each and every one of us. Amen? Amen. All right. Now look what it says. Look at, go to first, verse 15. Verse 15. Do you love Jesus? Yes. Do you? Well, it says, if you love me, obey me. See it? If you love me, obey me. See it? And look at my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate, or comforter, or encourager, or counselor. Imagine, look at it. He's a comforter. Think about the Holy Spirit that he's given you. He's your comforter. Look what he says that he is. Or encourager, and counselor. If you read all the names it have for Jesus, wonderful counselor. Lion of Judah. He has so many different names. He is all things for everyone. He's ultimately everything you ever needed. And the Bible tells you that in all the different ways. Lion of Judah. Prince of Peace. All these different names he has. But he's a wonderful counselor. You want the truth? Jesus is your counselor. In the word of God. Whenever I help somebody, it's only through the principles of the Bible. No worldly counsel here. Amen. Wordly counsel. <laughs> now listen to what it says. Who will never leave you, a counselor, 
who will never leave you. Look at verse 17. He is the Holy Spirit who leads us into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. Why? Satan has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. The Bible tells us they can't see him. Satan's got blinders on them. They can't see what we see. And they get frustrated when you try to let them see it. They don't see it. They're like talking to a blank state. What are you talking about? They can't see it. That's Satan blinding them. So don't get frustrated. Pray for them. That God can open their eyes. Look what it says. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. No, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. This is before he risen. Soon the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. And since I live, you also will live. When I'm raised to life again, you will know that I am in the Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Look at verse 21. Those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. And because they love me, my Father will love them. And I will love them and reveal myself to each of them. You want revelation from God? It tells you what you have to do. Accept his commandments and obey them. The ones that he puts out in front of you. <laughs> now he knows we're not going to do it perfectly. He knows we're not going to... Can I get an amen? Listen. He knows we're not going to do it perfectly. That we will... Throughout our lives we will encounter temptations trials, resistance, and persecution. And there will be times when we stumble and fall, sometimes tragically. When we do, it drives us back to the cross in repentance for our sin and in faith that the blood he shed for us saves us to the uttermost. Can you get me, man? Now listen. He who could give Peter, who denied him three times, will surely do no less for us. Then, like Peter, forgiven, restored, and humbled, we march on with fresh hope and a renewed commitment to him. Go to Luke 22, 31, and we're going to close there. Luke 22. This is, this is, this is, this is a principle that we're going to take home with us, and we're going to get it. We're going to get this tonight. You hear me? We're going to get this tonight. You ain't leaving. Lock the doors. Verse 31. Luke, Luke 22. Look what he says here. Simon, Simon. Or Peter, Peter. Verse 31. Why don't you get there? You ain't missing this. Nobody's missing this tonight. I'll say it ten times if I have to. Remember Peter's the one that said, Deny you. I'll die for you. How many of us say, no way, I would never deny Jesus. Peter walked with the guy, okay? And he denied him three times and even knew him. Okay? So don't think that you, would, you wouldn't do it either. Because he knows the human heart. We all would. <laughs> Look what it says. Simon, Simon, or Peter, Peter, behold, Satan demanded to have you, or he wants to sift you. That, you, that he might sift you like wheat. How do you sift wheat? You get them and you sift it, right? What do you mean sift them? Look what it says. But I have prayed for you and that your faith may not fail. So we have to understand Satan's going to buffet us and sift us. 
And he's praying that your faith doesn't fail because of it. Listen to me. It's going to happen to each and every one of us. And he prays that your faith won't fail you. Then it says, and when you have turned again, or when you've repented from it, after Satan has you dealing with sin, when you finally turn from it again, he says, strengthen your brothers. You see it? So you have to go through an experience of falling and letting Satan sift you. So then when you turn from it and get restored, you can restore and strengthen your brothers. So that's why it's so important that you do it. That's part of the process, sifting you. Getting back over and sifting you. Boy, I got sifted yesterday, big time. But what did I do? I dropped to my knees, humbled myself, resisted the devil, and he left. And now I'm renewed again. I feel like I'm on fire for God again. Amen. From the failure. Amen. See, it's the failure that brings us back to him on fire. Back to the cross. Right. Oh, I couldn't do it. Get off your high horse, John. You wasn't you at all, ever. And now, back on fire for the Lord. You see, after Satan sifts us, we say, oh, man. And then you get back on your knees. You understand that you can't do it. You humble yourself before God and say, Lord, I failed. I failed. Tell him. Don't tell him, please don't let me fail. Say, I failed. Restore me, Lord. To the joy of my salvation. So I can restore my brothers to the joy of theirs. When they fall. Instead of letting Satan keep you out of it. He wants to repent us to turn back. See that's what a mature believer does. He falls. Picks himself up. Back to the foot of a cross again. Busted up and broken. And back on fire for Jesus again. And that's what he's doing with you. So the next time you fall, put the bat away, get back on your knees to that cross, and say, thank you, Jesus, for paying the penalty for that sin Amen. and restoring me. And I'm going to get back up again, and I'm going to have victory this time. Victory. victory in Jesus. Amen? Now you get the point? It's yeah. going to happen. But he's going to sift you, and, he's going to, and God's going to strengthen you through that battle. Amen. But don't think it's not going to happen. People get taught that that's not going to happen to them again. And when they do, they say, boy, I never got beat up like that before. It's easy to go back to the world and have to struggle through that. But no, when you come back out of it, you're stronger than ever. You fly high. The bird with the broken wing can fly higher. All right, you get it? All right, we're going to stop there. Thank you. They're coming wholehearted. Give God a hand clap. He deserves all the glory for that one. Thank you, Jesus. You're welcome. The girls are going to come up. We're going to glorify the Lord and close.
That fit or what? Right into that. Right the message. What's our soul? Our mind, our emotions, and our will. Amen? When all is well with that, boy, we are complete. Amen? Oh, we do have a special happy birthday, Mary. You want to close us in prayer since it is your birthday? Sure. Come on. I have to go up there. Come on over here, yeah. Let's Come, on over here. Oh, come on, Mary. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for this wonderful message Pastor John has brought to us tonight. Thank you for, Thank you for uh, getting us here through this terrible weather we're having, Lord. It didn't stop us from coming to worship you, Lord. Thank and I thank you so much for that. Thank you for our congregation. Thank you for the people in it, Lord. And please give us traveling mercies home, Lord, um, from this weather. And um, just thank you so much for John's message tonight on, on wholeness, Lord. It's um, something that we all need and need to learn about um, each and every day. We should live in it. And I say all these things in your holy and precious name. Amen. Amen. Hey, happy birthday, Mary. Thank you. Have a great night. God bless. Till we meet again. Peace. Peace. Peace.